Hello everyone, thank you for listening to today's message. My name is Pastor Dwayne Life, lead pastor at the Life Point Community Church. What you're going to hear today is a message from one of our recent services. And we believe that by listening to today's message, you're going to be blessed and encouraged from the Word of God. You're going to be strengthened, and we believe that God's going to speak to you in a very fresh, new, and real way through today's message. So thanks again for listening. Be blessed and encouraged, and we love you. God bless. Put it off. <laughs> Thought you'd like that. Have, I, I put that up for a reason. Uh, we've got a very special deal we're doing in just a few weeks, two weeks, that I want you guys to participate with us. Um, it's, called, it's called What on Earth Am I Here For? And it's a church-wide campaign. We're going to be studying about it from the pulpit on Sundays, in our growth groups on Sunday morning and Wednesday nights. Our children are going to be studying it. Our youth group is going to be studying it, and it's going to be an amazing time to learn what God's purpose for us here on this planet is. And so here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I told, if you weren't here last week, I kind of gave you three things that I wanted you to do. Number one, I want you to be involved. In other words, every time you can be here, be here. If you've got a choice to be here, be here. I know sometimes people work out of town. It happens. But if you can be here, then be here. And then I want you to invest. Uh, Consider how you're investing your time, your talent, your treasure into your local church. And then, that's why I showed the video, I want you to invite. I want you to uh, get on the telephone, get on Facebook, get on Twitter, get on social media, and, and invite friends and family to be with us starting September 11th for What on Earth Am I, am I Here For? I promise you, here's, here's what I don't want to happen. I don't want you to wait until we're in week three and go, man, this has been good, I should have invited whoever, I want you to just trust Pastor Dwayne this morning. And I'm telling you that this is something that your friends, your family want to be here for. It, it, it could change their life and maybe more importantly, could change their eternity. So I'm going to encourage you to not put it off and invite somebody to come and be with us on September 11th for what on earth am I here for? Let me just tell you a funny story. Um, Joy Shaw is the note-taking Nazi at Life Point Community Church. And, and that's a good thing. So she sends me a text on middle of the week and says, are we through with, what, with, with uh, things God never said? And I said, yes, we're done. We are done. We're moving on to different things. What I really had planned on for today and for next Sunday is uh, a couple of things that would help us get prepared for what on earth am I here for um, and, and so I said, no, we're, we're moving on. We're, we're going on to something else. Well, all day Wednesday, I was just troubled about this morning. And I get home Wednesday night, and I just knew. And see, because of the way our process works, Thursday is like zero hour. Because i got to get everything ready by Thursday at the end of the day. Because Tracy comes in and runs connection cards and bulletins and all that. So it's got to be ready. Period. And so I'm like, Lord, what's, what's happening here? And so I get home from church Wednesday night. My wife is sick in bed. Mikey's not home. So I'm standing in the kitchen. And, and y'all, I, I don't say things like God spoke to me very lightly. Because I think when you say God said, God better have said. Does that make sense? Um, and, and I stood there and on a little notepad. Just I, I wrote out what you're going to hear today. And it's, it's part of our... Things God never said. So I had to send Joy a text and apologize to her. Is that okay? 
just, just really quickly, I want to give you just a, a, a two-minute review of, of the first two weeks. One thing God never said was, I'll never give you more than you can handle. Uh, how many know for a fact that there are times in your life when there's more on you than you can handle? Yes? Okay, I'm glad it wasn't just me. And then week two, we said uh, that what God never said was, I deserve to be happy. Truthfully, sometimes um, we get so concerned with our own happiness, we become narcissistic, don't we? We start looking so closely at our happiness and our self-satisfaction that we don't look outward to other people. And here's what we said, that God's more concerned with your rescue than your happiness. And the question was, well, doesn't God want me happy? Of course he does. But let me tell you something. What God really wants you is blessed. Blessed trumps happy always. So this week, let me tell you what God never said. And this, I promise, will make sense in a few minutes. Here's what God never said. God never said, I quit. God never said, I quit. Have you ever felt like quitting? Nobody in the room has ever felt like quitting. Let me, let me, let me say it like this. Have you, ever, have you ever quit a job? I wonder if you've ever quit a job like this. Steve Harvey, Harvey helped this guy quit a job, and I think this is the most classic way to quit a job ever. So watch the screen. Excuse me, everybody. Derek, Jake, everyone. I got an announcement to make. And I got my friends here to help me out. <laughs> Guys, hit it. I am quitting this job today. Hey, hey, hey. I'm leaving. Even though I'd like to hear from the start. I'm going to make it to the top and start my coffee shop. That's pretty epic, isn't it? I, I wish I, that there's been a couple of jobs that I've had to leave in my past that I would have thought that would have been cool. That's kind of not, the, that's not the, the quitting that I'm talking about. And let me, let me just take a little pressure off of you. This is not a sermon today that's going to convince you to not quit. This is not a sermon about perseverance and determination I'm not going to try to inspire you to press on for one more day, one more week, one more month, one more paycheck, one more year. You've heard all that before. The fact remains you've been tempted to quit. And I want to just let you in on a little something. Now, again, I don't like saying God said when God didn't say, but here's what I know today. I know you're here. I know you're here and the thought has been in your head, in your heart, in your mind. 
I've had all I can take. I'm ready to quit. Now, that may mean several different things. Maybe you're talking about your job. Maybe you're talking about your family. Maybe you're talking about church. Maybe you're talking about God. I don't know. But here's what I know. You're here, and you've been tempted to quit. Maybe it's life. You've been tempted to quit. But instead of twisting your arm and poking you in the side and saying, you you don't need to quit. You need to keep going. You need to put one more foot in front of the other. Here's what I'd rather do today. I'd rather talk about a God who cannot quit. I'd rather talk about a God who is, who it's impossible for Him to not do exactly what He said He would do. See, sometimes we quit because of our own selfishness. We quit because... We would rather have things another way. We quit. How many, you, you know somebody that quit on their family because they were selfish. You know somebody that that's happened to. We quit because of our own selfishness. He's too good to quit. We quit because we made a poor choice. Now I'm not beating up on people who have addictions this morning, but... If you're, ever, if you're here and you've ever had an addiction to a tobacco product, you know that the first time you did it was a, per, a poor choice. I've never heard anybody said, I, you know, I've been smoking for 20 years and it's really been great. <laughs> I, as a teenager, um, I was addicted to a tobacco product. It wasn't a cigarette. It was a little more redneck version and here's the thing is, you know, as a teenager, you start doing that and you make a poor choice. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself unable to live without it. Or you think you can't live without it. My wife found out years later that while we were dating, I had this tobacco addiction. And she's like, you better be glad I didn't know when we were dating. And then she said, wait a minute. Did you kiss me? I went, no. (laughs) See, we quit because we made a poor choice. Listen, we quit because we made a poor choice. He's too right to quit. We quit because we walked down a foolish path. You know people, so do I, that, that started out on a great business adventure and had to quit because it failed. And that doesn't mean that that it's not malicious. It just, we went down a wrong path. We quit because we went down a foolish path. He's too wise to quit. Yes, he is. (laughs) We quit because we're weak. Maybe you've been exercising and thought, I can't go another step. I can't go another rep, maybe you're, you're working outside and you're, you're drained and you think, I, it, this, this is all I've got, I can't give no more. Before my mother-in-law passed away, she used to come over to our house and help us with chores. And, and she's like the Energizer bunny. So we're painting. And it's like 1 o'clock, i got to be at work at 8. 
And she's like, let's just finish this room. I'm like, Jane, go home. I'm done. We quit when we're weak. He's he's too strong to quit. So what I want to do today, just for a few moments, is to give you an idea of what he will never quit doing. And maybe if we can understand a little about this God that lives inside of us and how he can't quit, maybe that in itself will help us understand that because the God that's too strong to quit, because the God that's too good to quit, because the God that's too right to quit, because the God that's too wise to quit lives inside of me, I cannot quit. If you're taking notes, write this down. First of all, God said, I'll never quit thinking about you. Maybe you've had a distorted view of your Heavenly Father. I did for years. I didn't really grow up in the church. You've heard my story. I'm not going to bore you with it today. But my idea of God was this celestial schoolmaster that was just waiting for me to do something outside of his boundary so he could punish me. And can I tell you, I carried that for years and for years and for years. And here's what I'm learning, and I'm still learning it, is that he is a good, good father. You know, it's funny, my my children are adults now. They're 23 and 21 years old, and they're, they, they're adults. You know, there's not a day that goes by that I don't think about them, and that I don't whisper prayers for them, that, that they become everything that God has for them. And if a weak, frail, earthly father has his children on his mind, then what do you think about your perfect good? Good Father, here's what Psalms 139 verse 17 says. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. So I just need you to understand that He can't get you off His mind. I need you to to leave this building today understanding that the God of the universe, the One that created everything that we know to be that that we can touch, that we can see, that we can smell. The one that created it all has you on his mind. There's a passage in the Old Testament that says you're the apple of his eye. I said one time that if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on a magnet. If God had a wallet, your picture would be in the front. Now that sounds silly, doesn't it? But can I tell you, that's how your Heavenly Father's thinking of you. And I I don't know, but I kind of feel like maybe you needed to hear that this morning. That He's not forgotten about you. That He's well aware of everything you're walking through. That He's well aware uh, of, of your circumstance and your season. That He's well aware of you. And He can't quit thinking about you. 
If you're taking notes, you can write this down. God said, I'll never quit loving you. Let me just, let's take a straw poll. How many of you have ever had someone in your life that used the words, I love you, and then proved otherwise? Almost every hand in the room, right? See, we we throw that word around so flippantly. And, And I just need you to hear from me today that your father can never quit loving you. Here's what Jeremiah 31.3 says. Long ago, the Lord said to Israel, I have loved you, my people. Oh, let's look at this carefully. With a... Now, I'm not, I'm not an English major, but I'm going to guess that everlasting means last forever. Well, obviously, that means until I, I really drop the ball and I really mess up and I really do something wrong... That he'll love me until then, right? Is that what everlasting means? No. Or maybe it means, well, he'll, he'll start loving me when I get my act together. And I, I behave and I become the person that people actually think I am. Then God will know. I heard somebody say one time, and I love this thought, that there's nothing you can do to cause God to love you more than he loves you right now. And there's nothing you can do to cause him to love you less. He loves you with a perfect, everlasting love. Go on. It says, with unfailing love, I've drawn you to myself. With unfailing love. Love that lasts forever and cannot fail. Can, you, can we just let that sink in for just a moment? There's no other love like that. That lasts forever and cannot fail. And see, I've, I've, I've been where I bet some of you are today. Dwayne, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand how I've, I've gone against God's plan for my life. And I've done something that I, don't, that I shouldn't have. And I've, I've stepped outside of God's boundaries. And I've stepped outside of the guardrails that He's got. Now listen, I'm not, you guys know me by now. And I'm, I, don't, I don't try to justify our sin. I don't try to justify our, our, our bad behavior. But I need you to you to understand that he's, man, I love that song. He's a good, good father, and he loves you. And your misbehavior doesn't change that. That doesn't mean he likes it. That doesn't mean he approves of it. But it doesn't change the way he feels about you. So you've got, there's been a time when, when the people around you, you've doubted if they really love you like they say they love you. But I need you to hear today that he's, Love is everlasting and perfect. It can't fail and it can't end and he won't quit. He said, I'll never quit thinking about you. I'll never quit loving you. This is going to mess with a couple of you. I'll never quit forgiving you. Isaiah 43, 25 says, I, even I who blots out, just listen to that, blots out your transgressions for my own sake. In other words, he chooses to blot out your transgression and remembers your sins no more. 
blots out your transgression because of His choice to do so and chooses to not remember them anymore. (laughs) Maybe you're like me and you've made that job pretty difficult for God because you've given Him all sorts of stuff to forgive you for. And, And listen, you know... I grew up hearing this kind of teaching that yes, God's a forgiving God, but there's going to come a point when you've crossed the line too many times. There's going to come a point when you've gone too far. That as a Christian, and I I remember this sermon in my head, you could sin away your day of grace. It's pretty weak grace. If my sin is more powerful than that grace. And I'm going to tell you that that's not the way it is. Now, again, I'm not trying to justify bad behavior. And I'm not trying to justify our sin. I'm just telling you that there's an... He can't quit forgiving you. He chooses to blot out your sin and to remember them no more. There used to be this little old lady that lived down the street from me. And... And they went to a very traditional southern church. They did a lot of southern music, southern gospel music. And I remember, and this is before I had given my heart to the Lord. And I didn't really understand it then. But I remember her, the neighborhood I grew up didn't have a lot of central air conditioners. So everybody then in the summer had their windows open. And we would play in her backyard even though she told us not to. And she would sing to the top of her lungs. This little lady would sing, What sin are you talking about? I don't remember them anymore. She could somehow sin so badly that it nullifies the work of the cross of Christ. If your sin is too big for Jesus, all sin is too big for Jesus. And I'm here to tell you that there's no sin too big for Jesus. I quote this scripture all the time, but I wanted you to read it today. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is His love for those who fear Him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgressions from us. And here's what you need to understand. Even though that passage is in the Old Testament, it's a prophetic passage because there's a difference between redemption and atonement. What happened in the Old Testament was that an atonement for our sin. In other words, a sacrifice atoned for our sins. In other words, it covered our sin. When Jesus died on the cross of Christ, He removed them. He didn't cover them. He didn't put a band-aid on a gunshot wound. He washed them clean. In other words, they're gone. As far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. 
So he'll never stop thinking about you. He'll never stop loving you. He'll never quit forgiving you. And, and God said, I'll never quit pursuing you. I used to hear, it's funny now, looking back at my early Christian experience, because I had, I had the opportunity to come into a, a very traditional church, but not have been raised in a traditional church, so I didn't understand all their lingo. You understand what I'm saying? I didn't understand all the language. And, and I would hear people say, well, they're just running from God. Have you ever heard that phrase, he's running from God? And then the next week I'd hear how God was everywhere. And my silly little mind would think, well, if God's everywhere, where are you going to run? Doesn't that make sense? In fact... I've come to learn that it's quite the other way around. I can't run from God. In fact, here's what, here's what the scripture says in, 130, in Psalm 139 verse 7. Where can I go from your spirit? Where are you going to run? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, what does it say? You're there. If, my, if I make my bed in the depths, what does it say? King James says it like this, if I make my bed in hell. Some of us have done that. Made our bed in hell. And guess what? He was there. Can't run from him. You know why you can't run from him? Because he's chasing you and he's faster than you are. We deceive ourselves by thinking we're running from God. Because we're not. Because it doesn't matter where you run. You, if He's everywhere, you can only run into Him. So I, I'm, I'm just, if, if that's you and you're running from God or think you're running from God, I'm just going to tell you from a former runner, you, you need to quit. Because you're going to run into Him. <laughs> I cry like this I know why because God's got a sense of humor I told you the story there's a guy at my home church his name was Hoyt Savage Hoyt he's about six foot four probably 240 pounds. He'd stand on his feet on testimony night and he'd cry like a little girl about the, what God had done in his life. And I remember sitting on that back row thinking, that's silly. But then I met the Jesus he was talking about. You know why? Because he was on hot pursuit for me. See, you think that you've, you've, you've crossed some line. You've, you, you think that you've gone somewhere that He can't find you. That you've done something so badly that He can't forgive you. That, 
You're unlovable. And I'm just going to tell you that that's not the God that we, that we talk about here. Now, again, I want to make sure you understand what I'm saying. I'm, I'm not condoning bad behavior. I'm not condoning sin. And listen, I, I had a very distorted view about why God didn't want me to sin. I thought it was all about my you know, falling into submission and obedience. And, and the truth of the matter is, is God knows what's best for me. And He knows when I step outside of His boundaries and His plan and purpose for my life that th- the only thing that can happen is, at best, second best. Does that make sense? The only way I'm going to experience God's best in this life is, is to be obedient, submitted, submitted to Him and His plan and purpose for my life. And... and and outside of that is only, at best, second best. So I'm not, I'm not condoning bad behavior and I'm not condoning sin. I'm telling you that there are consequences for bad behavior and for sin. But at the end of the day, here's what you need to know. That he's, he's not that schoolmaster wanting to punish you. What he is, is a loving God that is pursuing you. Well, you can, I'll never forget it. You'll sin away your day of grace. That's stupid. And here's why. Scripture tells us where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. I'm going to read you a passage from, from the Message Bible. I don't read from the Message Bible often because I don't really feel like the message is a translation. It's a paraphrase, but you've got, you got to hear this. And, and listen, if any of this deal today has resonated with your heart, you need to listen to this. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. Now let me read that again. Listen. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. Can I give you a, a, a real-life analogy? And, it, and it, I don't know how you feel about political things. I don't usually talk about political things. But isn't it stupid to think, well, the problem, the way we curb gun violence is to make guns illegal. I'm pretty sure that murder's been illegal all along. Right? So the analogy is all adding more law did to the Jewish people was make more lawbreakers. I don't want to use a bad word twice in one sermon. That's stupid. Isn't it? And that's what Paul said was happening. All that passing laws against sin did was produce more lawbreakers. Now listen, oh, you've got to get this. But sin didn't and doesn't have a chance in competition with the aggressive forgiveness we call grace. When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. Is that not good news for somebody? When it's sin versus grace, grace wins hands down. All sin can do is threaten us with death. And that's the end of it. Grace, because God is putting everything together again through the Messiah, invites us into life. See, that's what He wants for you. A life that goes on and on and on, world without end. 
Listen to me. He's pursuing you relentlessly. Well, Dwayne, I, I'm, just, I'm just not ready for, to, to do what God wants me to do with my life. I don't care. He's pursuing you relentlessly. Can I just tell you, you'll make your life a lot easier if you'll just quit running. So what do we do with this God that loves us like that? What do we do with this God that won't quit loving us, won't quit thinking about us, won't quit forgiving us, won't quit pursuing us? What do we do with that God? What do we do with Him? What do you do with a God who won't quit thinking about you? You know what you do with that kind of God? You make Him a priority. You put Him first. Matthew 6 and 33, you hear it from from this pulpit, you hear it from my wife, you hear it... All, but seek first God's kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. All the stuff that we want to happen in our life. All the, uh, all the things that we worry about. If we put Him first, all that stuff will find its own level. So what do you do with a God that thinks about you? You make Him a priority. What do you do with, with a God that won't quit loving Him? What do you do with a God that won't quit loving you? You know what you do? You love Him back. You love him back and you love those that he loves. You love him back and you love other people. (laughs) What do you do with a God that won't quit forgiving you? Well, I can just live however I want to. Is that what this message is, is telling you? No. What do I do with a God that won't quit forgiving me? I'll understand that he is for me. And the guardrails that he's put in my life, the boundaries that he's put in my life, are there to point me toward his best for me. And the second thing I'll do with a God that won't quit forgive me is to model forgiveness to those that are around me. You know, I find it funny that we we all want forgiveness for ourselves but, but how quick are we to offer forgiveness to other people? Hey, I, I want, I'm gonna, here's a little challenge. Who's hurt you the worst? Who's hurt you the worst? And I want you to take that offense and measure it against the price that was paid for you for your forgiveness. You with me? Who's hurt you the worst? I'm going to tell you that there have been times in my life when I've been hurt. But if I can be forgiven for what I've done, I can choose to forgive an offense against me. Yes? So what are you going to do with a God who won't quit forgiving me? You're going to to understand that He's for you. And you're going to model forgiveness to others. And what do I do? And here's just where I think some of you are. And what do you do with a God who won't start pursuing you? What do you do with a God that won't stop pursuing you? You're going to live your life in full pursuit of Him and His plan and purpose 
for your life. I'm telling you, if you're, if you're running away from God's plan for you, hear me again. It's futile. It's, it's impossible. I bought a treadmill one time. Several years ago. And it's still almost brand new. See, I had this grand idea that I was going to put this treadmill downstairs and I'm going to get on it every day and walk slash run. And, and I found it mind-numbingly boring. Do you know why? You don't go anywhere. It's the same view all the time. Louis Grizzard used to say, if you're not the lead dog, the scenery never changes. <laughs> and that's how I felt. I'm just staring at the wall. I have no idea why I even started telling this story. <laughs> that's what running from God's like. You just, it doesn't matter. You're not going to get away from Him. See, I found it. <laughs> What do you do with a God who won't stop pursuing you? Hey, why don't you, why don't you turn that energy that you're using from running away from what He wants you to do and run to him, toward Him? Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Hey, Don's going to come. And we saw, we saw this thing on Facebook. It was really funny. It was, it was talking about how we don't listen to our worship songs. Anybody see that? It's pretty funny. <laughs> so I, I just want to take a minute and read what you were singing just a minute ago. Our God is greater. Greater than what? What? Greater our God is stronger than our God is higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power. So here's what I, I want you to do today as we, as we finish this service. I want you to bow your heads with me. What I don't want this to be, <laughs> listen to me, y'all. I don't want this to be you feeling like I'm trying to twist your arm into just pushing on one more day because that's not what this is about. Here's what it is about. Listen to me. Just so I knew who I'm talking to. And this will mean something different to different people. But if, if you're here and the words, I quit, have come across your lips recently, or you've been tempted to utter those words, I quit. Now, it might mean, it might mean your, you, you know, your family. It might mean your ministry. It might mean your church. It might mean God. I don't, it might mean something entirely different. But if those words, I quit, have been on your lips, 
and you've been frustrated and you've been, oh, I, I don't even know the word I'm trying to, I, you, you've been at the point where you think, I, I've done all I can do, I'm done. If those words have been on your lips, I just want you to throw your hand in the air really quickly. Good gracious. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to get you to do today. Well, Dwayne, you're going you're gonna to challenge me to, to, to not quit. Nope, that's not what I'm going to do today. For the next few moments, here's what I want you to do. I want you to rest. I want you to rest in the loving arms of your Father. I want you to rest knowing that whatever you're walking through, He's there, gone before you. That whatever you've decided that you need to quit, that that because the God that can't quit lives inside of you, you don't have to rely on your own strength. You don't have to rely on your own wisdom. You don't have to rely on your own rightness and goodness. That because He lives in you, you can lean on Him. So here's what I want you to do. Donna's going to sing that chorus our God is greater and that's what I want you to do I just want you to rest in the arms of a great God who is awesome who is mighty in power a healer then when we leave here I want you to leave encouraged knowing that the God that never said those words I quit lives inside of you and walks with you strengthens you loves you forgives you, pursues you. You're on his mind. You're in his heart. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name. God, I know there's been so many times I just wanted to quit. Run away. God thank you that you're a God who cannot quit and you live inside of me and in my weakness you are strong and in my frailty you are mighty and in my foolishness you are wise when I'm wrong you're always right God, across this room, I was, so many people raised a hand and said, I've been tempted to quit, to walk away, to be done with whatever. But God, today we leave you encouraged, not because of our strength, not because of our goodness, but because the God of all gods, the good, good Father, Spirit lives in us. God, we rest in your strength. We rest in your might. We rest in your power. We rest in your goodness and in your wisdom today. And we rest in your love for us. Thank you that you are great. 
God, I pray for the one, the many, been discouraged, tempted to quit. So God, here's my prayer. God, that you feel their heart. You pursue them with such relentless passion. They have no place to go but to fall in your arms. I want you to do. I want you to just rest in his arms, rest in his power, rest in his goodness because he's in this room. He's among us because he's everywhere. Where can I go from your spirit? I'm at the highest heights, you're there. I make my bed in hell, you're there, oh God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your strength and your goodness and your grace and your mercy. And our God is greater. Yes, just listen to those words. God, our God is greater, our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Thank you, Lord. We rest in your arms and in your presence today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. read you one more passage of scripture 24th verse the book of Jude says this to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy to the only God our Savior be glory majesty power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages now and forever Amen. Here's what he deserves. He deserves your biggest praise right now in Jesus' name. He deserves you to lift your voice like a trumpet, to clap your hands, all you people, to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Amen. Thank you, Lord.
You do better than that at football season. Amen.